1: So in this dream, I'm falling all of the time in every scenario, and it's always falling off of the ledge of the apartment patio that we shared. Ah. And are you alone? No. I'm falling slightly above my part... my ex. My ex-partner, Ruthie. And they're sometimes not looking at me, but sometimes they are. And what are they doing when they are looking at you? Um, smiling. They were smiling. Smiling. Okay, uh... What? Falling
2: typically symbolizes this innate fear we have of change. Of plunging into the deep end, as it were. It sounds like a bad breakup. I'm sorry you're going through this, but I wonder... Yes, if-
1: and this is a sign to keep chasing! In the dream? Uh, let me think.
3: Tara is jumping through so many hoops to not break confidentiality. But I can. Said folk came in just yesterday for advice on how to get this guy to back off.
2: What if they said outside of the dream? No. I think that's your answer.
1: Or it's a sign, and it's not over, and that it's their fault and I'm the one being told to fix it. Or your... Look, maybe,
2: perhaps... Overthinking this can lead into warping the narrative and making you a victim.
3: You're such a bitch! No, I'm
1: not! Oh?
3: Tara looks at them very immensely plainly. She keeps this up as they stumble over various syllables.
1: I, uh, well, you... (sighs) I didn't think I was... Mm. Sound like a sh- I- I just sound like a shithead. A little bit, yeah. That's- that probably didn't help things, huh? I can't imagine so, no. Can- can you help me be better?
2: Of course. I can point you in a couple of different directions, folks who may be better equipped, talk through some points. We're running low on time, so let's schedule for the same time next week. Yes. Yes, that- work I would like for you to apologize for calling me a bitch first.
1: Uh, of course. I'm so sorry. I forgot I did that just now. I'm sorry.
3: Thank you. They stand, bow their head a couple of times, and exit. Dylan stands in the doorway as this folk opens it, and they appraise Dylan before ducking into the open marketplace. Tara! Dylan!
4: Uh, first of all, Sage color-coded your inquiry reports and bills. I just wanted you to know it was them, because it looks a lot nicer than what I've been doing, and I didn't want to look suspicious. They offered.
2: It's fine. Second thing?
4: Guardian Friedman of the Guardians, he's here to see you.
2: Oh. Why?
4: I'm assuming because of recent, uh, events.
3: Ah. Uh, let him in. Guardian Friedman of the Guardians stands in the doorway now. His graphic exterior is extraordinarily slumped in posture and vibes. <sighs>
5: Prophetess, do you have a moment?
3: For you? Yes.
5: Uh, thank you. Dylan. No problem, sir.
6: Dylan, I found Ord's sticky notes right where you said. You have a fantastic memory. Ah, oh, gee.
3: Dylan scoots away down the hall. Guardian Freedman looks to Terra, who offers a nonverbal consent to sit.
5: Terra, uh, I know this is an extraordinary occurrence and that the guardianship and prophethood uh, shouldn't collide. Correct,
2: and... but agreed. Continue.
5: But you out of no doubt have heard about the chapel.
2: Yes. I visited with the priestess last night. Logan was also called, but I'm not sure the signal got through to him. I haven't seen it for myself yet. Was anyone hurt?
5: Uh, No, no. uh, The lore are fine as well. Uh, Whoever, or whatever, set the chapel aflame had fled.
2: You don't think it was them?
5: The orange ones, no. I don't think they could start a fire if they tried.
2: They had candles at the ceremony last
5: night. Yes, I had that thought, but the groundskeeper left the chapel an hour before the fire even began. The timeline wouldn't make any sense for folks there. So
2: you're bringing this to me, why?
5: And I am aware of our current visitors here, and I worry that while the orange ones likely couldn't start up anything due to their position in their encasement, there are others, correct? I was wondering if you had any insight?
2: Well... Right away, I do know there are three different kinds of lore. Aside from the orange, there's the blue one, which has never left Lyoth Hall except once under my supervision. It couldn't have been them. There would be too many factors involved. Or there's... The
5: the third.
2: The green one floats. And talks. I've seen them go impossible places, and they've shown animosity to anything and everyone else at some point.
5: Do you think they have enough cause for concern?
3: Tara recalls Ellie at graduation last year. She recalls the fiasco at Lyath Hall. She recalls that ancient, ancient blue lore that had been trapped behind the painting in the chapel that is no longer there. Yes,
2: I would maintain suspicion.
5: Uh, are there multiples of them? Do you know where it is?
2: No, but I have a couple places I could start.
5: Good enough. Look, I'm going to give you three guardian flares.
3: Friedman hands her three flares, painted brightly yellow.
5: If you even think that you see it, you light one of these.
3: And what will you do when you
2: find it?
5: Justice is my job, prophetess. I will conduct it however I can. This incident was no accident.
3: Luciana, Eller, and Mikhail Lyath sit and stand in stunned and anxious silence in the waiting room of the Botanical Medicinal Center at the Causeway. Eller has melded to a couch, staring into the ceiling. Mikhail paces slow paths between the chairs. Dune sits next to his mother, leg bouncing so quickly that it may just depart from his very body. He looks at his mom and looks away. Then he looks at his mom again.
4: You Okay.
3: Uh Uh-huh. You?
5: Uh.
3: In lieu of a reply, Dune offers a single vending machine chip. Thanks. Mom? Mikey? Ellie Lyath charges in. She was across territory. Honey, how did you hear? Agnes
7: told me when I got back home. Is he okay? Is he okay?
4: No, he's dying. He's not... Dying, dying. That we know of.
7: What even happened? Uh, well... I
4: think he... He just collapsed. He was looking out the window towards the Chapel of Living Things oh, yeah, and... Ellie, that burned down. What? Can you let me talk?
3: The siblings silence and look towards their brother.
4: So yeah, I went to just ask him a question and right as I was walking in, he just... Fell over. Clutching his stomach, I, I guess, so something happened, but...
3: G.T... Wenda appears from Logan's room. Just a shy gaze of the foot of his bed is seen as she quickly and quietly shuts the door after.
4: Is it done? Is it done?
3: Oh! No. I don't do the surgeries.
7: He's not even in there. I was just grabbing some charts. Oh. I've heard no bad news yet, however. That is worth celebrating. I'm actually here to speak with you. This disease is hereditary. I'd like to talk with each of you about your habits, any past history of related issues, and see if we need to run some diagnostics. Are we sick too? Do
3: you feel sick? Hmm, Dune thinks long and hard about this.
7: Sick like
4: how? What did you need from us exactly, Gwenda?
7: Well, I'll be asking you about any reoccurring stomach problems Uh,
4: and- I had my appendix out when I was 15.
7: Really? I don't remember that. (laughs) Yeah, that
4: night was wildin'. Didn't know you could projectile vomit. It was pretty
7: gnarly, though.
4: (laughs) You just said you didn't remember. The distance.
7: The amount. It was a lot. (laughs)
4: But I'm also, like, anxious, so my my therapist thinks it's mainly that. I, I take a daily antacid.
7: Oh, me too.
5: Yeah, same.
7: I do sometimes, yeah. Okay. So, we're actually, for confidentiality reasons, we'll be conducting these individuals.
5: Oh, dude, I have sick tum-tum issues. I don't know, like, exactly
4: what it is. Lactose? No, that's not it. Yes, it is. It is, though. Uh, it it is. is.
7: Have you tried eliminating it from your diet for a period of time? No. Would you consider that? I guess. Okay, could I have you, one by one, tell me
3: these I'm
4: gluten intolerant.
3: Yeah, selectively. Am not. Are too! No, no would you... As his me? siblings argue and squabble, Mikhail notes his mother on the other side of the room, sitting with one foot resting on her chair seat, arms hugging her knee to her chest. He drifts forwards and sits adjacent to Luciana.
4: Hey. Hi. I'm sorry that we all have serious tummy issues.
7: Well, you are all being very brave about it.
8: <laughs> <laughs> Great, they. This sucks. This sucks so much.
4: Oh, definitely. It's it super.
8: Ultra sucks. mega quadruple
3: sucks. Yeah.
4: Oh, they have crossword puzzles.
3: Oh. What issue is it?
4: Uh, 60.
3: I have that one. Great, they. I have that one. It's happened. I'm ancient, aren't I?
4: Hey, lucky that with this family, you've gotten this far. Ah, embark horses. You should go. When I get back, we all need to talk about what happens next. Or if.
8: I suppose. Yes.
3: Sage and Tara escape the office into the medium rainfall. Dylan sits at the front desk as if he hasn't moved for an entire episode. I promise he had, though, because last night was bowling night. He also stood just moments ago to let Friedman in, an athletic lad. Sage and Tara step over various sidewalk puddles on their speedy stroll towards the University of Valis.
6: So, uh, the lore. What is your relationship with them?
3: What does this have to
2: do with anything?
6: Well, we're trying to find it, and you've been rather intense about the whole thing. I was wondering if there's any history I should know about.
2: I guess I'm just a little critical of the whole lore incorporation initiative. Sometimes I feel like it's a good thing, but not many times.
6: Well, good. It is not only natural to be a little cynical, I think it's beneficial.
2: I wouldn't have expected you to say that.
6: No one can believe or endorse anything every day of their lives. Whether it's great they, or folks, lore, ourselves. It's just not how we work, and no one should be asked to.
2: But I should be. Residential prophets are the backbone of a community. I may not vibe with the spiritual every day, but I need to practice an awareness of it. I need to because it's not just my job. I made an oath to follow this path as a prophetess, and more and more I'm learning that it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to be performing supernatural acts all the time or spewing dope prophecies or hearing tangible voices or shooting lasers out of my eyes. Lasers? But it does mean that I made an oath to help folks. To see life in every individual's eyes. To feel that same life in the trees and the earth. To seek cycles in our behavior and learn from them. And in this case, to guide this transition with weird creatures.
4: Belief
6: is your discipline.
2: Yes. And I think that's a part of why I left Traveling Prophethood. Because I wanted to root somewhere. I didn't want to always be floating. Wandering around and pretending to be there for folks, then leaving a month later.
6: Interesting. And that is precisely why I joined it. I like wandering, and there is no pretending in it. For me, anyways, I cannot speak for all of us, but I see value in traveling and helping residentials like you make an impact in their community. Sometimes, for change to effectively take place, something... New needs to come and show them how to practice that new thing. It doesn't reflect the talents or respect of the folk in question. It just adds a little glitz or glamour to an already good idea.
2: But does the glamour support real change? Do you stay around long enough to see a lasting effect?
6: It's reported back to me, mostly. And I don't just leave when I feel like it. I leave when it's time.
2: How do you know it's time?
6: The same way we prophesy.
2: But how can you practically help folks when you aren't involved directly?
6: How can you help yourself if there's nothing left of you? You are visibly drained.
2: Okay, yes. But, to an extent, fuck me, right? We are public servants. Folks are draining sometimes. That's not a bad thing. And yes, I could stand to take better care of myself, but the discomfort I feel dealing with my community's problems isn't necessarily a bad thing.
6: Then why are you struggling so much because
2: with it? Because that's this? what it is! A struggle!
6: But is it a joy? Is it a good thing for you, to you?
2: Is that what your job secretly is? Making residentials feel insecure about themselves?
6: No, it's asking them the right questions, the ones you tend to avoid asking yourself.
2: I'm not. I ask them every day and I answer them.
6: Okay, then do you like your community? If the lore were fully integrated into it, would you still serve it in the same way? Is this really about the lore, or are you just concerned that you aren't thriving in this position? Okay,
2: okay, GT.
8: Let's take a break. This season of Average Folks is sponsored by Escape Space Games Tualatin. Located just off of Tualatin-Sherwood Road, Escape Space Games hosts six different escape rooms, each with their own unique themes and puzzles. Gather your friends and family for exciting adventures like the Toy Museum Heist. Rumors say that the owner of Randy's Toy Museum has acquired some sort of secret artifact not on display to the public, and it's up to you to find it. Or work together to solve the mysteries of castaways, where you must face a series of physical and mental challenges in the style of a certain tropical TV game show in order to keep your spot on the island. Visit the magic garden of the Beanstalk, where the gardener is getting antsy and looking for a successor. Do you have what it takes to discover the secrets of the garden? Explore your senses with the Tualatin Valley Room, where you'll need your sense of touch, smell, sound, and sight in order to escape in time. Stage a prison break in Cell Block, where you and your team must first escape their own cells and then make your joint escape. Or get cozy with Tuta Tango, a two-person room with a mystery to solve about these two particular dancers. Adults play for $30, and kids under 12 play for 25 Escape Space Games is open Friday evenings, all day Saturday, and Sunday afternoon. Weekday plays are available by appointment. Visit escapespacegames.com or call 503-610-2394 to book your room today. Well, let's get back to it.
3: They have arrived to campus, so familiar to Terra now. They have not beat the Guardians to the flare, and a few of them are grouped in the center grass area on their radios. One sees Terra and crosses over. Prophetess,
7: uh, we've received an update from Living Things. The team on the other end was hoping to ask some questions.
3: Fine, but only one. What's up? Sage, however, becomes entirely preoccupied with the art building in front of them. They can see something familiar through the glass walls. Oh, it couldn't be. It has to be.
6: I'm going to scout ahead, Terra.
3: She shoots a thumbs up, back still turned, and Sage enters the doors. The inside of the gallery is low-lit, save for the track lights that illuminate different artistic centerpieces of varying professionalism. There are some paintings, some ceramic mugs, and some sculptures. There's one in the center of the room that draws his attention. A magnificently rendered full bodied folks' portrait.
6: Ah, so it is still here after all.
3: Ah, yes. You still look the same!
6: Time has been kind, for now,
3: yes. Sage recalls the hours they spent in this position while the artist worked. The hours of conversation, connection, the way he liked his breakfast.
4: No, you see, it's the curvature of the spine. Sage
3: startles at the voice. He follows it through the rest of the art exhibits into a classroom at the far end. Sage enters the clay studio. Some students sit at wheels and tables. And Mikhail Lyath wanders as he speaks and offers notes.
4: Oh, that's so much better. Hands are hard. You're doing great.
3: And he looks up. Wordless Sage meets Mikhail's eyes. Speechless, Mikhail gazes glassily back. A lack of recognition, followed by a flood of memories and the rush of seeing someone who meant so much to you at one time. Sage wiggles their fingers. (laughs) Hello. Mikhail stares, eyes wide. Widening. Oop, they're still getting larger.
8: Uh, Professor Lyoth?
4: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, what was your question?
8: When will we be firing things?
4: Oh, 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 oh yes. Uh, this Friday.
8: This Friday? But what if we're not done by this Friday?
4: Well, uh, you should be, because it's on your syllabus. <laughs> but if you are not... Uh...
3: Mikhail cannot see anything but Sage, no matter how hard he tries.
4: We'll do it next Friday, but don't do that. But if you do, it's not the end of the world. Now we are at the end of our class time, so... You can keep working if you'd like, but remember to wash with hot water when you leave, please, and over the strainer. The sinks keep getting blocked up, and I'm gonna start making you all clean it out, okay?
8: Okay. Thanks, Thanks Professor Lyons! Thank so Shut no, up, Steve. A good day. Oh,
3: And the students file out. Some stick behind with headphones in, but for all intents and purposes, Sage and Mikhail are alone, standing here, staring. Not speaking? Is anyone going to... Mike. Okay.
4: Okay. Hi. Sage. Hi. What What? are you... Sorry. Uh, No, no. You ask. What are you doing here?
6: Traveling. Profiting. Oh. Professor Lyeth. Yeah. Yeah. You finished your degree. I did. When?
4: When? Uh, Solus. This last one. Ah. Wow. I... but what are you doing here? I wanted to see your work. Got
6: a little more than I bargained for. You look good.
4: Thank you. So do you. Yes, but... you look... great. Um, does anyone know you're here?
6: Oh, I've been here a couple weeks. I've had a few meetings with the prophetess, Tara. You met Tara. Yes. She's a great fit for Vallis, I think. She'll thrive here.
4: Yeah. She will be, she is great.
6: You two have been working on a commission, together?
4: Uh, yeah. Cool. That's lovely.
6: Is this one also an intimate still life thesis sculpture or?
4: No, it's, it's a creature study.
6: Ah, yes. I've heard of them.
4: Did, uh, you see my dad?
6: No, no, I didn't um, talk to your family. I mean, chiefly because traveling prophets don't adhere to the chiefdom and aren't subject to announcing our presence to them, but also, I wanted to respect your space and not dig up anything for them.
4: Oh. What
6: are you doing here, No, what are you doing here? You didn't just leave, you
4: disappeared. What the fuck was that, Mike? Mikhail. What? I, um, go by Mikhail, no. Oh, why? It's my name, and I like it. I like the space it takes up. Ah. Just, what happened to our- I know we have a lot we need to talk about, but I can't today sage i just can't oh shoot where are they
3: tara enters from the hallway holding mikhail's rain cloak up plunging her hand into the pocket and chucking his orange medicine container his way meds 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 my boy (laughs) hey shocked a deer in the headlights catches them whoa A
4: prophecy is fulfilled what you doing here
3: oh uh
2: so i am not allowed to disclose why but i'm looking for the green lore and it tends to be around here when i am So I figured I'd do a quick look around if that's okay. Ah, and this is Sage, a traveling prophet. And this is Mikhail. He's a liathan art professor and
3: cool.
4: Yeah, nice to see, uh, meet you. Yeah,
6: nice to see you again too.
3: Terra notices Mikhail's eyes now and feels a rush of disconcerting guilt. They seem redder than typical. Wait, are you okay? Uh. Oh, Mikhail wants to tell her. And oh, does Mikhail not wish to tell Sage?
4: My dad's at the Botanical Center. Again.
2: What? Is he okay?
4: He's alive, but... I think we're going to have to solve ye old question of... You know.
2: Which one of you is going to take the L?
4: Yeah. Take the Hall, more like.
2: Possible sighting of Code Green at Woman's Reservoir. Last flight in the crowd. On standby. Over. Shit. I have to go, but let's talk later. You can come to my place. I'll cut up some cheese or something.
4: I would like that.
3: Terra and Sage wade through the art students exiting class and into the rain. They power walk about five minutes to the road, where Terra waves down a taxi while Sage bashfully watches this exchange to the side. They are dropped off at the base of the hill where Terra finds the familiar central staircase that skates up this hill, dipping over the other side.
6: Vallis has a lot of stairs.
2: What, and Eret Herba doesn't?
6: No, it has fields.
2: Vallis has fields.
6: No, but it has a very large amount of fields, which does make sense because geographically, our soil and growing conditions are optimal for a vast assortment of produce and grains. Huh. It smells like shit,
3: though. <laughs> oh?
6: and lots of shit. Whoa.
3: They have arrived. The upper hills of Vallis are colder in Imbar. Rain becomes sleet, the softest sort of it. Tiny flakes of ice stick to their rain cloaks, and Terra is glad to have worn boots today. Sage is not glad to have worn sandals, but he stands by the decision for now. The Wise Woman's Reservoir is a vast basin, sloping down to a rocky beach, meeting a lake that is covered in ice. A vacant lake, that is.
6: I thought someone mentioned there was ice skating.
2: Oh, the temperature is barely freezing most nights. The ice is super thin. Not
3: safe at all. So, to capitalize, they built an ice rink right next to it. Terra points to the head of the lake, a slight walk onwards towards the giant rock carving of a Wise Woman. Directly under her, between her sizable stance, a shoddily conducted ice rink sits. Folks dressed in various muted tones bustle about. This is fun. Yeah, this
2: is cute. I didn't even know this was here.
6: Yeah, it's a great, like, date activity.
2: Do you have a partner, Sage? That was... I'm sorry, you don't have to answer that.
6: No, it's fine. I guess we should get to know each other, so I do have a partner. It's long distance, as I'm always traveling, of course, but it's going well.
2: That's hard work. Especially without service here.
6: Yes, it is definitely an adjustment. And you and Mikhail?
2: Yeah! It's new. Ish.
6: Ah. What do you like about him?
2: Uh, he's gentle, thoughtful, talented, and so, so awkward. (laughs) But it's sweet, I think. It's very... Real. Yeah. Yeah.
6: You recognized me in the work, didn't you?
2: Yes. Unfortunately, Mikhail is a detailed artist, so... Very detailed.
6: Yes. So while I was getting my traveling prophetic certification, I started modeling as a side hustle, and we actually met during a figure drawing course in Arid Urba.
3: Tara was listening, she promises. She was listening until she looked at the lake again. And now she sees a familiar form has wandered far out into its center, floating right above the ice. Hey! The green lore does not hear her over the sleet, and she finds something bubbling in her chest in reaction to this ignorance. Terra mourns the chapel of living things, and moreover, in this moment, she mourns a more simple time where her primary task was not lore hunting. She raises the guardianship flare bright yellow, but stalls. Why? Sage, hold my staff.
6: Oh, sure thing. Why?
3: Terra rests it into their hands, and begins to haphazardly walk sideways onto the ice of the lake.
6: Tara, perhaps not. Just like the flare- I
3: need to talk to them.
6: What is there to say? You are angry, you wish to hurt them with your words, and I understand, but this is not the scenario for- I didn't ask
3: for advice. Hey! Lore! Tara finds that the sleet has offered the ice some grit. She still has to focus on her balance first and foremost, but at the edge of the lake, the ice is thicker. She walks with as much purpose as she can muster towards the lore. Hey! The green lore looks to Terra. Its hazy white eyes widen into full circles, and Terra expects something crude. Instead, it is dangerous out here. The ice is thin.
0: I'll say. Yeah. What are you doing? I was attempting to be unreachable. I heard your news. I'm sorry to hear about your chapel. Oh, come on.
2: We don't have to play this. Why did
0: you do How it? How could it have been me? You've used it to torture others before. That blue lore that I found? was a monster. Believe me, it was not your friend. And if anything, I bought Valis time. I knew living things was sacred. I knew that we were not going to be allowed in yet. And that it would be contained till things got sorted out. I knew... I thought that it would stand the test of time. Everything I do is for you. For you all? Then why do you avoid folks? Why do you only talk to me? Do you think I have a choice in that matter? I would love to evade your antagonistic gaze. Antagonistic? She steps
3: forward, the ice cracks. I heard about Logan. A shame.
0: A great sadness. How? You are not the only one I talk
3: to. Terra connects some dots that were quite easy to pick out. Eller? He should be chief.
0: Ugh. Okay. That would solve things. Folks would not get hurt. The lore wouldn't be afraid. Chapels would not burn. And what does Eller have that makes that possible? I chose him.
2: Oh, So this is about control. You fear the direction this territory is going, and you're making some futile attempt at
0: changing the outcome. Terra
3: steps forward, the ice splinters, veining under her feet.
0: Terra, stop. This is not safe. Nothing ever is anymore! You don't even understand how you have- Don't you get it? You entrap the lore in chapels and ride them like pets. You house a predator in Lyoth Hall. You hunt me for your own kind's mistakes. I
1: understand, Tara. Prophetess! Run! Save her!
3: The green lore leans to look past her. Some tension in their form softens, becomes circular again. The folks on land begin to notice their prophetess, having walked out in the middle of the lake alone. A couple join Sage by the shoreline and one... One sees them. Their eyes glaze over, then widen exponentially as they reflect vibrant green. And oh, their mind cannot wrap their head around what they what see. What is
7: that? It's the
3: wise woman.
7: No, that. Oh, GT, it's horrible. Few
3: see, fewer comprehend, and all—all all who see the green lore—exclaim or scream, and this incites even more to confusingly run away. The way they look at me, too. I understand. And Tara watches the green lore and can find nothing to say, but she does attune to the various yells and shrieks. At first, she's buffed with pride. Her folks in her territory fighting for her, fighting on her side. And then the green lore who makes themselves small. Tara looks down and notices the ice. It's hollowing out. She can feel it slipping under her boots. You didn't do it. No. Tara slowly lowers the Guardian's flare, her arm bent halfway, relaxing her grip. Fine.
2: You can go. I don't think you'll ever be safe here now.
3: Where would I go instead? In contemplation. In a lack of forethought, Tara drops the flare with force to her side. The momentum weighs her body down only for a millisecond, but it puts just enough pressure on the lake's thin sheet of ice. And she falls into the lake. Impossibly cold water rips into Tara's skin, stabbing her, whisking her away and down. The staff, not hers, dives into the water. Grab it! Tara grips the prophetic staff with numb, pale fingers before the current can drag her under the sheet of ice over the lake. She locks her arms as Sage pulls up and away. Hold on! No shit! Sage heaves with all of their might, and Tara, with unfeeling arms, somehow hoists herself up. They crumple next to the hole in the ice.
6: Stay low. Move slowly. We need to get you warm.
3: Tara looks back, searching for the green lore, and sees they have already made it halfway across. They do keep looking back, however. They maintain contact when they see Tara had made it out, and then they sigh. They relax, visibly, and Tara acknowledges this emotion. Relief.
8: Hello, dictionaries. I'm Hope Bellinger, director and producer of Average Folks. Thank you for listening to this episode. Sound design by Elise Bradford. Mixing by Hope Bellinger. Original music by Liam Greenlee. New actors in order of appearance. Shannon Keane as Dream Folk. Hope Bellinger, Olivia Cuddeford, Nate Ayers, Rachel Routh, and Elise Bradford as students. Rachel Routh as Guardian. Lydia Christ as folk number one. Elizabeth Herbert as folk number two. To learn more about average folks, follow us on Instagram at Average Folks Official or visit us at our website, average folks.com.